Okay, Barb, say something. Sorry, make sure you're coming. Something. <laughs> All righty. So I'm going to close Facebook. And we are starting at 13.30. Okay, 13.30. Oh, I need to have my pen turn around. 13.36. Okay. So, three, two, one. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer. And with me tonight is my Kimosabi in crime, Miss Barbrice. Hello, everybody. Yes, I just called you Kimosabi in crime. I don't know. I don't, did that make you Tonto or the Lone Ranger? I, I I feel like I need to get my feathers on right now, even though nobody can see <laughs> and your, me. And your bird on your head. <laughs> exactly. I feel underdressed all of a sudden. <laughs> So this um, this episode is really going to be fun. I'm really excited because we are going to have a, a lovely, lovely director of horror, and she's a producer and writer. She does it all, and I love the fact that she's got a very female, powerfully driven uh, horror film coming out tomorrow, actually, as we record this on the 28th. It's coming out on the 29th called The Sound, starring the awesome Rose McGowan. and. Yeah. Uh, our special guest tonight will be Jenna Madison. I am very, very stoked. Um, we got, to, yeah, and um, we just, we, Barb and I got to see the film, as did Francine Beck, who sadly, due to technical issues that just seem to plague us half the time, um, isn't able to be on tonight. But she uh, loved the film as well, and uh, it also stars Christopher Lloyd, and very, very briefly, Stephen McCaddy. Yay. Me to sigh wantonly as I say the words. <laughs> um, uh, man still is hot and still needs to play Lance Hendrickson's brother in a movie. That Instead. would be something. I don't know if I could handle yeah. that. It's too much. Um, but, <laughs> but the sound was amazing. It was really, really well done, beautifully directed, and wonderfully acted. And you guys should check it out. Um, it is a creepy film, and I really dug it. And I can't wait to pick Jenna's brain about this movie. I have quite a few questions for her about it. Very cool. But before we move on to that <laughs> and good things, um, we have to talk about this because it is a major, major issue and story happening right now in the world of geekdom. And we talked about it last week. But it's con the story just continues to grow and get worse. And uh, that story is, of course, the Alamo Draft House, uh, Austin uh, Fantasy Fest, and now Ain't It Cool News debacle that is happening um, on Twitter, on Facebook, everywhere we're at. Um, it is just a bad, bad situation that just is growing worse and worse. And now it has taken down Ain't It Cool News. Um, and I mean, and, and by taking down, I mean, they have lost two of their biggest writers um, who have been with them since the beginning. Quentin Capone have left because of this um, due to accusations um, uh, by many women and by quite a few other people, as it turns out, who I still don't understand not talking about it and yeah. not it um, against Anacool News creator 
Harry Knowles that oh. apparently um, if you if you hear the what has been talked about have been going on for years. I'm just cringing sitting here because actually I was kind of friendly with him for a while. And when I saw the news of this happening, yeah, my the hairs on the back of my neck kind of stood up and I felt kind of dirty, even though I had not had anything inappropriate from him during the time that I was associated with him. But still, just knowing is well, enough for me. Person. Yeah, I I was not fortunate enough to have the uh, opportunity for that. Yeah, it's it's very sad because Ain't It Cool kind of spearheaded the original, you know, it was one of the first movie sites. And that's why um, Knowles was such a big um, name in, in the geek circles and in the world of Internet celebrity. Mm-hmm. And how he he was the he knew all of these people in in Hollywood a lot of uh, famous people, he was just a well known name. Ain't it cool? News was a known site. It's interesting though in in the recent years, a lot of people haven't been talking about Ain't it cool? News a lot. And, right. Um, boy, now it's back in the headlines. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, now the story is that uh, Knowles has accosted, and this is it's bad for Tim League and the guys at Alamo and Fanta- Fantastic Fest because this was they, they this was just a big community and meshing of of those two entities, and uh, now Knowles has been kicked off this uh, Austin Film Board, like the Film Critics Association's kicked him out. Um, they uh, kicked him out of Fanta- Fantastic Fest is no longer having him be a part of it. Uh, he's leaving the Ain't It Cool News site, apparently, and putting his sister in charge. Didn't even know he had a sister. No, wow. no I didn't um, either. All the comment sections have been turned off on Ain't It Cool News. I wonder why. Yeah. and uh, <laughs> But if you go by Twitter, he's just doing business as usual, which is interesting. There are a lot of openly, openly voicing critics now talking about the things that have been going on. Um, Scott, Scott Weinberg is definitely one of those louder voices talking about it and um, in support of the, um, the accusers. And it's, getting ugly online and in the world it's a relatively small world of uh the the geeks seems like it right now when things like this are going on mm-hmm. and uh you have people defending harry Knowles, you have people attacking harry Knowles, um and it's ugly because uh with the defending of harry Knowles, um people are getting really ugly about it and you you know you want to believe the good in people and you want you know that there's the whole innocent until proven guilty thing but then you have over six or seven women at least that have come out and said very similar things and have text messages and ims from him that are not okay and right. it's it's like a bill cosby in the geek world I was just going to say that it's absolutely similar. And, and, you know, it, like you said, it's sad because, you know, the community, we thrive on, on the unity that, that we have with one another and to see something like this come and kind of divide that 
community in half. You know, it just it's just very it's just tragic. Well, for lack of a better word. The thing that I like I said, I still don't understand now when I was reading from Scott Weinberg, I hope I'm saying his last name right. I hate doing that wrong. I um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what I read from him was that he had witnessed behavior like that. And um, he, after talking to the victims, didn't say anything uh, out of re- they didn't want him to that mm-hmm. kind of thing. The ones that he, he witnessed. But I'm I just don't get when people see this kind of shit that they don't talk about yeah. I don't understand, and I don't understand how you, if this, you know, as I go back to innocent until proven guilty, even though I don't, at this point, I'm, I don't think there's any innocence going on here. Um, I, uh, I don't get defending it. I don't get being okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um and it's really sad because I've, I brought this up previously was I thought things were getting better for women in the community and, and stuff like this just reminds me that, nope, it's still a boys club in a lot of ways. And even the women, there's even women now that were telling the other women not to say anything. Okay. Like there's, um, um, board members or members of, of that, that uh, I can't remember her name right off the top of my head, but the story's all over the internet. Um, you can read, uh, find it. Um, but one of the women that was, uh, that came forward about Harry Knowles uh, was told by another woman who works for the Alamo Draft House and Fantastic Fest and all that to not pursue this and not say anything kind of a deal. And it's like, what? Wow. Yeah, it's it's that is what she said <sighs> happened. And I just don't understand no this at all. Is it really worth your 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 peace of mind and in and your soul and for you know to be overly dramatic with it um to not say anything when someone is doing this kind of shit. <laughs> To people, is it really worth that for you to keep, you know, be buddy buddy with someone that's good? You know, hey, they know so and so at Marvel um, film. They know so and so over here. Is it really worth it? Do you want to uh, be a part of that? Nope. But I guess some people they just have to hang on to what they have. They don't want to lose. You know, whatever. I don't. You know, it's like, oh, well, if I say something, then I can't be friends with you know so and so. Yeah, well, it's, then they're not your friend. And, exactly. And, and if I'm they're sorry, yeah, but I, you know, if somebody put their hands on me, I'd be blasting them everywhere. Yeah, nothing would keep my mouth shut about it. You don't do that, and I'm, I'm kind of. I'm, I'm it, like I said, it, it hurt me enough when this whole thing started just reading this and seeing this and thinking, oh my God, this is something I dreamed about being a part of. And now it's turning into just a pile of crap and it's depressing and sad. And to see this kind of stuff is still going on. And, and, and I just, I just still can't figure out why you don't, why don't people say anything? Why didn't people stop it? Uh, seriously, I don't get that. 
And I know some people out there will be like, well, you've never experienced it. You don't know. Well, I want to know. Think I would think I would like to think of myself that I would actually either say something or if it happened to me myself, I would say something Mm -hmm. and not be afraid to say something because, you know, but at the same time, you've got people that um, you don't they don't believe but when you have like eight people, that's the thing. When you have like eight or nine women that come forward and say, yes, this happened to me. And here's why. Here's my proof. Mm-hmm. Here's my here's all of this. Here's here's my information. Um, in, a, in a case like this where he um, the one of the, the things was he was involving his wife in the in the discussion, too, that they were wanting to have a three way and all this stuff that, that they um, propositioned this girl. I, I'm I'm just in awe of it. I am in awe of it. I I don't I don't even know anymore. I don't even know what to say. Yeah, exactly. That's craziness. It it's just getting worse. People are online. It's becoming a big. It's a war of world words now online. And um, on top of that, you've got the whole Jeepers Creepers three thing happening. Mm-hmm. That is its own special hell. That it's come out now that people have seen the movie, that there's abu- child abuse themes in the movie, and there's some really cringe-worthy dialogue in that film that I've read, because I haven't seen it, and I'm not going to. No. Um, I'm just not. Uh, that oh, It's almost like in the movie itself, they're trying to rationalize why you would do something to a child and 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 can you blame them look at her that's one of the lines what read in in online and i'm just like oh jesus no 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 yeah i don't even know what to say to that so yeah um there's some really disturbing stuff and there's people online there that you're taking, they're taking sides with that whole, the whole Victor Salva thing. And they're taking sides on, you know, well, it doesn't mean I can't enjoy the film. And I'm sorry. That went out the window already for me. Um, But when it comes to a movie like this, that's actually, it sounds like they're trying to justify. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, Oh, there's too many layers of gross here. I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of the franchise at all. Like I put on my Facebook page yesterday because I kept having people message me asking my opinion of the whole Jeepers Creepers thing. And I put that my honest opinion was I thought the first movie was stupid It didn't do anything for me. I thought I was just like, it's one of those, you know, what the F am I watching type of films. So, I mean, I hated it so much that I didn't bother watching the second one. And this third one, I even said in my posting, I had no idea that it had such a fan base that people were excited for a third one. Yeah, I think it's mainly the the creature design that people love in that movie and and that the whole concept of the creeper, but I mean, yeah, that was cool. It was neat. Awesome. Yay. Downer of an was ending it? the first movie. Um it, it didn't have a happy ending at all, but I just can't 
you know, in, in, a, in a situation like this, and especially now where they, you find, you find out that it has this almost, uh, you know, trying to reason with why I, I just can't, I can't do it. And uh, I, I just, I don't know. I just, no, I can't, I can't do it. Sorry. I can't make myself do it. No. And I would like to hear people be like, well, you know, the people that are saying that he deserves a second chance and all this other bullshit. Um, yeah. After seeing a film like that, where it kind of gives like pedophiles an excuse to yeah. do what they do. Like then... it, with that kind of dialogue in it. No. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm You're, out. If, if totally. that is true. And I believe it is because people that have seen the movie were the ones talking about it and it's all over online. Now it's burning up the while, you know, <sighs> no, it, but here's the thing. It made over, it made a ton of money. It made a ton of money in one night. Well, that's so, just wonderful. Yeah, it, 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 it made some money. And uh, yeah, so <sighs> there you go. So I guess we should be anticipating a fourth one. I guess. I guess it, you, you can expect that. So wonderful. Yep. Good job, folks. Yay. Um, so let's get to nicer things in the weekend geek uh I, I i i'm sick of it i'm sick of there being strife and bullshit in my community and uh, it doesn't sound like it's going to go away anytime soon if if stuff keeps popping up yeah like exactly this week um so yeah um let's talk about something happy like the fact that or not so happy if you're me and you feel like you're 100 years old now when you hear this but it was the 30th three zero anniversary of star trek the next generation today god (laughs) (laughs) really yeah 30 years ago star trek the next generation started 1987 oh my god yeah And Patrick Stewart hasn't aged at all. No, no, he hasn't. Oh my! Give me a minute, because my mind's like blown right now. I I honestly think he's been draining the life force of his co-stars because they've all gotten older. He hasn't. Holy shit! I know, right? Okay. I yeah so today was the 30th anniversary of Star Trek the Next Generation um I uh I posted some very younger some younger pictures of Patrick Stewart which you couldn't really tell because he still looks the same right um to show look it's aged just as well as Patrick Stewart which it has it's still amazing and still one of the most uh, still probably the best spinoff of um in in the Star Trek universe I think um Mm -hmm. Uh, wasn't as much of a DS9 fan as I was Star Trek The Next Generation. Enterprise, I don't really talk about at all. And um, uh, Voyager was about 50% as good as um, as Next Gen. Next Gen, just that first season was rocky, but then it went, it went crazy good. And mm-hmm. it gave us Q. It gave us, <clears throat> it gave us Sarek back and... Um, just, it gave us the Borg, uh, just amazing stuff. And, uh, it, the show was just fantastic. And one of the few Star Trek properties to really, and truly, we don't talk about the Star Trek next gen movies, really. You, you, you want to 
hear my thoughts on that, go watch go Red ahead. Letter Media. Go watch Red Letter Media's reviews of the Star Trek Next Generation movies. They are spot on. Okay. They are spot on. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Plinkett does very well when he he, he channels my anger for me. Um, oh. But the TV series was one of the few uh, Star Trek properties after the, well, we didn't really even get an ending for the original series, um, to really wrap up perfectly the the story and with the final episode, All Good Things. And um, even John DeLancey, who I just saw at Rose City Comic Con, agrees that All Good Things is probably his most his most favorite Star Trek episode. Oh, wow. And because it does such a good job of wrapping up everything, it ends with, you know, Picard and the crew for the first time, Picard joins their card game at the end. Mm-hmm. And it's such a nice, nice, beautiful way to end it where he looks around the table, sees all of his, his crew and is a part of their, you know, it's, it's truly, they're all part of this family and it's just beautifully done, wonderful episode. And Next Gen was just fantastic and showed that there was still stories to tell in the Star Trek universe. Very nice. My I'm my mind's still like reeling. You're so blown. It's um, thirty years ago. It, it does not seem like it's been that long. It I was well. Doesn't seem. Like- God, I should be dead right now. <laughs> Thanks, Barb. <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> God damn. Um, but kind of bouncing off of that, I, that I think they timed this to be a part, you know, be uh, in, in line with that is Star Trek Discovery, which I got to see the first two episodes of um, and was it? it was good. It was really, really good. The only thing I have a problem with is that the first two episodes, there's no discovery. The ship isn't there. Jason okay. Isaacs isn't there. The first two episodes all take place on, I think it's the Shinzo is the name of the ship. And um, it's basically just a big introduction to um, Michael, who is played by Sonequa Martin-Green, mm-hmm. and her character, which is... Um, she, I think we talked. I think we talked about this last week a little bit. Her character is kind of a reverse Spock. She was a human raised by Vulcans, because her parents were killed in a Klingon raid on her um, planet, and the the person who raised her, the one of the Vulcans that raised her, is Sarek. So she's basically Spock's sister. Oh, okay. And she's trying to be Vulcan while still being human. Um, she's trying, you know, they raise her as a Vulcan. She's got the, she goes to the Vulcan Science Academy. She's trying to be a Vulcan, but she ha- she's a human and that's a problem. And, uh, you know, cause she's got all this uh, scarring, men- mental scarring from the attack and everything. So she's trying to control that by using logic. So it's kind oh. of a neat reversal and it makes her a very interesting character because she's got all this pent up rage as well thanks to this attack so kind of like spock because that's the whole thing of vulcans vulcans um are were a very warrior race i mean look at the romulans and they uh they used logic to control themselves and to keep them from killing basically one another right uh, so it's really interesting, and with her character, you've got our buddy Doug Jones, friend of the show, play, as Yay. second Bill. Woo-hoo. Second 
build as Saru, who is the this race of aliens that were bred basically to know when death was near, um, oh, okay. which is really creepy. Then you yeah. have um, my boy James Frain. Sorry, I'm very happy that he found <laughs> it. He's watching the show that he can't die, and if they kill Sarek somehow in this show, I will go to Los Angeles and beat the crap out of whoever wrote that. Oh, and damn. Cut a bitch when, it fi- when I find out who decided <laughs> to approve it. Don't kill All it. Right. Kill so Sarah. the powers who, who be have been warned. <laughs> Cut a bitch. It will happen. Um, I love his portrayal of Sarek. He looks like a younger Mark Leonard. He, he plays it perfectly. He looks great as a Vulcan. And I really like the fact that he is a, you know, he's a concerned parent. And we know that from Spock. And um, we see him, because uh, this poor girl, poor Michael, can't catch a break. It looks, she's had her parents killed in a raid. She gets blown up at the, uh, we see the Vulcan Science Academy had a bomb attack. And they, they blow it up. And she's there. So she gets injured there. She gets injured in the first episode. Almost dies from radiation poisoning. Well, Poor it's chick a, and rough being Michael in the show. So, uh, but Sneakle Martin is fantastic in it, and uh, I really, uh, I suggest y- you have um, the the uh, CBS All Access. I know some people don't want to pay for it, and and that's totally I understand that completely. Um, you have a seven day free trial that you can do. Check it out. See if you like it. There's more than other, more uh, more things on there than just Star Trek um, Discovery. There's all kinds of there's movies and series and stuff with no commercials. Oh, and, sounds good. Um, yeah, and it's ten bucks a month. Uh, you, I'm sure you can go back and like rewatch. You know, you can just go through every episode. I don't know how long they keep them up there because it's only been going for two weeks or so. Um, Episodes one and two are up there right now. You can do a seven-day free trial and watch them both. Um, see if you like it enough to keep it. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed it. I like the Klingon design in it. I like the whole um, the fact that they had a albino Klingon who was the oh. outsider who they brought in to be um, in in this episode as the torchbearer. It's, it's I enjoyed it. Go check it out. Um, it's a lot better than the horror film. <laughs> Eric is here. <laughs> show i can say all i want about it yay um there is bad news Uh uh-oh there is a hocus pocus remake happening oh say what you are say what you feel (laughs) why the fuck are they gonna touch this shit (laughs) why do we why is this going to happen who's Uh, gonna go see it nobody it's actually going to be on, this is just making it worse. It's actually going to be on the Disney Channel. Oh, fabulous. And, uh, Bette Midler has already said, hell no. She doesn't think it's a good idea at all, and she does not agree with it happening. Well, she's there's a very been talk- woman. Yes, it is. And there's a lot of talk about there being a sequel, but no, they're going to a remake to something that no one wants them to remake and doesn't need to be remade. It's perfect the way it is. Um, Buddy Doug Jones is in it as well, as we already knew. Right now, Hocus Pocus is huge. There's a whole section you can go to your local spirit Halloween store. They have a ton of Hocus Pocus goodies. Um, I think the best way to stop it is to let Disney know you don't want it. Yeah. 
I guess blowing Disney up would be a bit extreme, but (laughs) we don't need that. It doesn't need to happen. It's a waste of money and time and just no, no, we don't need that. That, that's a bad thing. We don't need. So everyone, I am very, very excited to uh, welcome Jenna Madison to the show. Uh, Jenna did triple duty on the movie The Sound, which is releasing as of this recording tomorrow on September 29th. And uh, Jenna, welcome to Fangirl Radio. I can already tell just from the brief moment we just spent talking, you are one of us and we're very excited to have wow. you here. Yay. Well, I'm excited to be here, and I just wanted to tell everyone out there that the film is not only opening in select theaters, which is mainly AMCs across the country, but also um, essentially downloadable everywhere and on demand everywhere except Dish. Oh, screw Dish for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't make a deal with Dish, which I've heard is a thing. I've heard um, to a lot of. I don't know of many people that have Dish actually. It's yeah, I think it's kind of obscure at this point. Yeah, Directv's um, taken that. (laughs) Yeah. So So. we have a ton. I have a ton of questions for you, but I I um I wanted to say that uh, uh, I'm a huge huge Stephen McCaddy fan and. I love seeing him in this movie, and um, uh, I, I believe I've to- I talked about this on the show before, that he and Lance Henriksen need to play brothers in a film. I mean, it needs to happen, and no one has done it yet. Um, so <laughs> I'm just sticking that in your ear for a sequel if they come back. Okay. To the you house. know what? I'll just make an entire movie just <laughs> to actually do that for you. It kind of <laughs> just nice. to fulfill that fantasy that you have. <laughs> Um, no, have to I, be... what I was kind of touching on before with you guys was that um, you have your Stephen McCaddy fetish and I have my Sam Elliott fetish. <laughs> and so I had originally written the part of Clinton Jones for Sam and um, he had agreed to play it and he really liked the part. And then our schedule got pushed and, um, and we couldn't have him. But in hindsight, I just feel like Chris Lloyd you know, really knocked it out of the park and I wouldn't have it any other way. It's always funny how with movies you kind of go, oh, I want that person or, oh, I'm thinking about that person for it. But then the cast that you end up with somehow fortuitously is just right. And I mean, I, I guess unless you make a shitty movie and you're like, oh, damn, it was terrible. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where when it clicks, you're like, oh, that's so great that that person wasn't available. Not that they wouldn't have been great in it, but the movie as it, you know, is like this melting pot of people and this, you know, it's it's all of the chemistry. It's like if one performance doesn't work with the rest of the performances, it sort of sticks out like a sore thumb. And so I have to say, I am just so thrilled with that cast. And like, even people like Stephen McCaddy, I didn't know his work but I was local in Canada and um, I, I cast the movie myself because I'm apparently a total control freak, but, um, <laughs> but, but uh, every single role, I was really specific. I didn't want anyone to be distracting over the top, you know, like, you know, sometimes you watch a movie and you're like, Oh, that's a local hire. Do you know what I mean? Like you can just spot it because the person, you know, just sort of seems green. And um, I didn't want that for my film. 
So even the smaller roles like Steven, the cab driver, the cop, um, we cast really seasoned actors that had had major careers. Even sadly, I was just thinking about this. I was watching the EW um, Entertainment Weekly posted a new clip of our movie online and it cuts to the scene with the, with the cab driver and we never even show his face. And I was like, Oh, how sad because he was actually apparently some really famous actor on the Degrassi. Um, on the the yeah, Degrassi high. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, Oh, I never showed his face. I feel terrible. <laughs> but, you know, it, it was really about, having an actor that even from behind wasn't going to overact, if that makes sense. Well, and um, I liked how so, you showed the, I liked how you showed the taxi drivers, both of them basically in the rear view mirror. I thought that was yeah. kind of a neat, neat thing I well, picked up on. it's funny that you say that because I had to fight tooth and nail for that shot. <laughs> and um, especially with the long scene with the cab, uh, the cab driver. And um, I was like, trust me, you have to trust me. This is how, how it's going to be edited. And, um, you know, as a, as a first time director and frankly, as a woman, um, and working with a male DP, um, there is definitely a fine line where you're being questioned. Your, your, um, your abilities are being questioned. Your decisions are being questioned. And I found myself fighting for shots and fighting for things that frankly, I don't think ever would have happened if I was a man. And it's funny because the very first cut of the film and, you know, as I was shooting it, I was like, maybe I'm an idiot. You know, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. It's my first time directing, but this is what I feel in my gut is the right choice and how I'm going to edit it. And as we went into the first cut with the editor, I essentially gave him just some notes, just some like, this is a slow burn don't be afraid to be boring. <laughs> don't push, you know, there's no pushing here. Don't shove the audience. And he ran with it. And when I saw that first cut, I saw every single one of those shots used. And I was like, vindication. You know, like <laughs> it felt so good to, to, you know, not necessarily to be right, quote unquote, but to have your instincts pay off like that. And I'm so glad that you noticed that the shots of the cab drivers were from behind because that was a really, you know, specific choice for me. And I, I just felt like it it kept the mood of, you know, keeping things mysterious, keeping the the um you know, keeping that mystery alive rather than, hey, I'm gonna cut to a three quarter, I'm gonna cut to a close up of this random, you know, character that doesn't really have a voice in the film, if that makes sense. Well, and it kind of uh, flows along with the the uh, mirror aspect in there that, that the use of mirror to and and the power of the mirrors in the movie that they mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that are used, and I, I liked how that kind of stayed within the movie it, it, within that shot as well. It, it's it's kind of neat to see all of that come together. Oh, cool. Thank you. Um. So kind of piggybacking on what you said about being a first-time director and a woman in the industry what was it's your first time in being a director and you wrote you produced it sounds like you edited you you cast this (laughs) um 
I worked with the composer. I, you, I you, actually frustrated <laughs> the shit out of the composer. <laughs> that poor man. Oh well, I, mean, I love him. I could just kiss him on the lips. I literally, <laughs> like he was so. He came from like this classical training, Hans Zimmer, all this stuff, and he came in with this big, beautiful score. And I was like, okay, now like strip that all away, <laughs> take it all away. <laughs> and he was like, his head exploded. And he kept sending me things, and I was like, yeah, just take all that away. Yeah, all of that's just gone. And finally, he just said, Jenna, I don't know what to do. Like, this, I don't know what to do. And I said, why don't you give me five naked piano keys? Just give me five naked piano keys. And he was like, um, and I said, but make them really specific. Make them eerie. Make them haunting. And so he went away for a week, and I thought for sure he's going to quit. I thought for sure he's going to tell all the producers she's an ogre. I can't work with her. And um, he comes back, and he sends me this piece. And I literally, like, the, the, I don't have a lot of hair on my arms, but the hairs I have stood on end. And I was like, holy shit, you did it. And so we kind of ran with that. And that um, that kind of, you know, helped set the mood and the tone of the film. Um, but anyway, you had a whole nother question and I'm sorry. Oh, I, no, I no, no, no. I, I love, I love hearing this stuff. I love it. <laughs> but it kind of, that kind of feeds into my question, which is, um, I haven't had, I, I have, I've had a few directors on the show that they, um, they done multiple jobs on it, but is it hard directing something that you wrote when, say, someone wants to make a change or they want to add to it or improvise? It's, it, it sounds, you know, because you just said you you kind of took over everything. Is it hard to give up a little bit of that control when it's your baby on so many levels? You know, it's interesting because I used to be a lot more precious when I was just writing and producing and someone else was directing. And I think also from, you know, frankly, immaturity. Um, and an experience. And then as I've grown up, as I've done more projects, and now I'm um, involved, I have two projects in development and TV. And I've learned sort of the art of taking notes, and frankly, the, the um, gift of what they really are. And so I'm really open when I hear notes, I really hear it with an open heart. I know in my gut when it's right and when it's wrong. But I will tell you, I end up usually taking about 70% of the notes, I'd say, on average now. Um, in, with this film, it was, an, it was odd because there weren't really that many at all um, once we you know, got to, to set and we were shooting. Um, at one point, somebody said to me, um, they don't want to hear all that stuff about the sound and the sound waves and... I was like, dude, they've been waiting half the movie to hear what she does. <laughs> Trust me, they want to know. <laughs> you know. Like, I knew that I was just dropping breadcrumbs for half the film. Like, you're like, what does she kind of do with what exactly is it? You know what I mean? So when she's finally explaining it, if she doesn't explain it, then the audience is going to be like, oh, God, I, I'm still, you know, confused. And I'm sure people leave the film a little confused by design. Um, on some level, because I don't like to spoon feed, I don't like to shove, um, and I don't like to, I feel like I want to give the audience enough, you know, credit to be 
uh, intelligent enough to think throughout a movie. And I know some people don't want to think during a film. They just want to be fully entertained. And I get that. And there's times I want that. The Little Mermaid is like in my top 10, you know, but, <laughs> but there are the movie like this. I just kind of wanted the audience to be on the ride, getting the breadcrumb, getting the next breadcrumb, getting the next breadcrumb, because how could I sustain an hour and a half in a dark, empty subway station with one singular character unless I did that? Do you know what I mean? And, and kind of led them along. And, and you know, it's, it, the, the whole movie is pretty much a tease, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> that's really True. what it is. <laughs> so um, so in, in, you know, doing that, I had to be crafty about how much I told, how quickly I told. Um, and, you know, I feel like, and some people may disagree, but I feel like I pulled that off um, because it, it, I think it still makes people watch and want to watch to see what's going to happen because they don't get all the answers right away. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, and Barb, please feel free because I'm just going to keep babbling at her and if you <laughs> If you want to add, I'm just going to obviously keep babbling. Well, you know, I'm ju- I'm just sitting here, like, just immersed in what you're saying, and but um, going back to the kind of what you were talking about about the um deliberate casting, um, when you were writing the movie, did you have Rose McGowan in mind for the lead role of Kelly, like right I immediately? I had no one in mind for Kelly. Um, I did. I uh, had actually my husband in mind for the role of Detective Richards, and he ended oh. up playing Ethan, the the fiance. Oh. And um, okay. Which now, once again, in hindsight, Michael Eklund was just incredible and has become a close friend, and is literally like one of the best people in the business to work with. He's. I feel like he's going to be a huge star. I told him last night, I was like, you're like the love child of Daniel Day-Lewis and Ethan Hawke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I get that. That's totally, yeah. yeah. Nice, isn't he? Yeah, uh, totally. He's so incredible. He's so talented. I don't know if you saw that movie, The Call, where he, he he's really good at playing like creepy psychos. <laughs> and um, he's like the go-to creepy psycho guy. And um but he's like like the nicest human being ever, and he uses lots of emojis and exclamation points. So <laughs> you never know it by looking at him. But um, but he was just amazing, and you know I feel like I kind of shafted my husband in a way because I wrote him, the, I made him the girlfriend, right? I made him the doting, the, the the female role that's usually in every movie, where the the spouse is you know sitting at home while the husband's away on a you know, like a fishing boat or whatever and worried if he's going to come home. And, you know, I said to him, I was like, I need you to do this part because I know that I can hire some random actor to do it that's not going to bring the gravitas and the soul of, you know, a, a part that's somewhat frivolous. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, anyway, so as far as, as that, um, with Rose, it was interesting because and you won't, I, I, you may not believe this, but two of my, uh, my male producers wanted Hillary Duff in the role and it was getting very close to 
uh, time for us to start shooting, and we hadn't passed. And they really wanted Hillary Duff, and they were pushing Hillary Duff, and her agent was, you know, into it, and there was all these conversations being had. And, you know, nothing against Hillary Duff. I'm sure she's a lovely girl, but right. that was not the image that I had in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I literally had a meltdown. <laughs> and, and Rose and I had already Skyped by that time. She had uh, read the film. She really wanted to do it. And frankly, she didn't really want to act anymore at that time, but she was like, I have to effing do this film with you because not only do I want to work with you, but I totally get this character. So um, it literally came to blows <laughs> and we got Rose and then we found out that her hair was an inch long or less than an inch. And the male producers, of course, flipped out and it was a whole nother thing. And I was like, well, wig her, you know, like, don't right. worry. So then, of course, everybody wanted this Kardashian wig. And I was like, no, that's not going to oh, happen. God. And so we ended up trying like. 10 different wigs on her and she was like Jenna please God don't let them put me in this Kardashian wig and I was like it's never gonna happen (laughs) and so um, I picked you know that one Um, I actually wanted a little bit even shorter like more of a pixie cut one but we kind of came to you know a middle ground Um, so she ended up being you know wigged for the whole show and it was real human hair and um, all that stuff and it was very expensive, <laughs> but, um, but I think it ended up looking okay. But I feel like Rose is so good in the movie. And frankly, I think, you know, not to sound like, oh, yeah, I'm some, you know, arrogant director that thinks I pulled the best performance out of her. But I honestly think it's her best performance because there is no using of the sex appeal and the sexy and the, the obvious thing mm-hmm. that she has going for her. Um, I worked against that with the wardrobe, with the the whole thing, and I didn't want her to lead with pretty. That wasn't the character that I wrote, and um, and I think she pulled it off really, really well. And um, and she, you know, she felt stifled at times. I think she felt like, you know, it was um, not necessarily uh, the most comfortable place for her. Mm-hmm. But she kept, you know, she believed and she kept on uh, doing her thing and, and, you know, pulled out all the stops for me. And I think, like, she got a really amazing review in the LA Times today. And oh. she texted me and she was like, holy shit, that was an amazing review. And, um, you know, it's, I think this has been an awesome, you know, sort of learning experience for her as to where she is you know now as an actress because she said she doesn't want to act anymore right and maybe this is kind of giving her a hmm maybe I do you know mm-hmm. um and who knows where that will go but I'm I'm really happy that she's happy and I'm happy that her performance is getting kudos because it deserves it well absolutely one thing, one thing I wanted to ask because I I absolutely loved it I loved the whole character I loved I picked up right away I'm like oh she's she's the alpha in that relationship she she's you know she didn't need to be saved he didn't really save her he just showed up and he he didn't save her but the the thing that I really wanted to to drive home is that and I'm married I'm married to my soulmate my best friend of 15 years and literally could not live without him 
does that make me less of a feminist? Does that make me less of a strong alpha female? No, it just makes me choose to be with a partner that, you know, quote unquote, completes me or whatever. <laughs> and, and I felt like, you know, that was a, a choice for her in the end to be like, oh, wow, I can be vulnerable. I can let myself be loved and, and feel, you know, have, have moments of weakness. And that doesn't make me less of a strong woman. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, the one thing I picked up on was, I love that line. She's not asking him to come save her. He, she asks him specifically, I need you to believe me. Yeah. Yeah. And and I thought that was a smart. (laughs) I love that line and I love the, the reaction yeah. that he had of okay yeah I'll yeah. you know that's what I'm here to be yeah. I'm, I'm gonna believe you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I thought that yeah. was beautiful thank you thank you yeah so I think I think some people look at it and go oh he he saved her it was the male savior and I'm like no, he didn't. He just, she allowed him to be there for her finally. Do you know what I mean? She was, she was vulnerable and open enough to finally let herself need someone. And that sort of, you know, to me, the journey of the character is that she's cold. She's, a, and I, I said this to Rose, I said, you're dead inside. When you, when you have something that traumatic happen to you in childhood and you go into a sort of fugue state, where you don't even know reality from, from you know, fantasy, um, there's a death that happens there. And so um, she essentially had to be brought back to life. And that's how I saw the film, as her sort of journey from dead to alive. And, um, and once again, some people aren't going to get that. And they're going to be like, she's boring, she's cold, she's flat, she's, you know... And I knew that when I was, when I was making it, I, I knew that. And, um, but I, I just felt like that was the film I wanted to make. And, um, and if people got it awesome <laughs> and if people didn't, then, you know, maybe I'd never direct a movie again and, <laughs> and just go, Hey, I'm, I suck at that. But, you know, uh, but I was prepared to face the consequences and, um, and luckily, you know, our little million dollar film got picked up by a major studio and, you know, released and boy, was that not what I was expecting um, by any stretch. So, so yeah, it's been, it's been cool. Well, and one thing I wanted to ask about um, was I love how the movie, and I'm trying not to be a spoiler person here. <laughs> I'm trying not yeah. to do spoilers. And it's really hard not to do spoilers with this. But I like how the movie kind of leaves it to your interpretation of was it real? Yeah. Was it not? Right. Was, was, yeah. did, you know, I can't say it without spoiler Logan. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I like that ending that you did. And I also like the ending that kind of leaves this open and hopefully Rose will keep asking because this I would like to see the continuing adventures of Kelly Johansson you know what's so funny totally. is somebody said it's it's 
it's perfect for a television pilot. Because it totally is. Yeah. And you know, you know, interestingly enough, this was originally supposed to be the first of a franchise, the first of several films, like, like um, the sound, Lower Bay, the sound, the catacombs, you know, set in France, the sound in different, you know, settings. And that was kind of how we planned it um, going in. And I don't know if that'll ever happen. It probably won't, you know, unless the movie is somehow a weird sleeper hit. But, um, and who knows if Rose would even want to be in it. But at one point we talked about a younger, you know, person sort of taking over for her um, if she didn't want to do it and whatever. But, I mean, it's funny that you picked up on that. You guys are really smart over there. (laughs) (laughs) We set it up so that it would have somewhere to go. Um, And, (coughs) you know, I don't know if that would happen, but. I'd certainly be open to it. I would love to see it. I, I think it would be By great. By the way, my voice is deep, but it's not usually this deep. But I've been talking so much today. <laughs> oh, no, we've I've been there. Really <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. Um, so one thing, and Barb, please tell me if I'm, 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 I'm going oh, I'm going to take over. <laughs> you're good. You're good. So one thing I wanted to ask you about, because it was such an interesting, you know, the whole sound wave thing and, and, and the ghost hunting aspect, what kind of research did you do for this? Cause I found it really interesting and I've gone on ghost hunts before. Did you go on ghost hunts to kind of get a, a gauge of what this would be like or, or what I she would do? We ended up talking to a guy I think he does that show, Ghost Hunters. Um, my husband did a movie for him. Uh, he's Zach something. He's like really some heartthrobby famous ghost hunter guy. He has a oh, reality show. I can't think of his name. Is it I Zach? I know who you're talking about. He's kind of handsome, yeah, dark so. hair. Kind of looks, almost has like a vampire-ish look to him. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, now I really want to know who he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I, think, I think chicks really dig him. Um, But anyway, uh, he did this movie that my husband was in called Sympathy Said the Shark. And um, and he originally was going to come to the lower base station while we were shooting and do his little ghost, you know, sighting thing. And um, it ended up not working out because we couldn't, you know, join schedules. And, you know, we were in Toronto and all that stuff. But um but um, where was I? What was the question? I'm totally like... Oh, oh, the research for it. Oh, the research. Oh, yes. Well, first of all, I went deaf. <laughs> I Literally, um, I'm deaf in one ear, and I have very damaged hearing in another ear, in oh, my, wow. my only good ear, yeah. And so, um, and that happened, you know, late in life. And so it changed my perspective on the world so much and my sensory and what I see, how much I see the heightened level of all of my other senses, my smell, my sight, um, and touch and all of that. And so I started getting really interested in sound and, um, because I could literally feel the force of certain sound once my ears were damaged. And I was like, what is that? Because, you know, that's weird, right? It's like actually has like mass to it. And then I started researching it and I found out that there's this thing called tactile sound that you can actually feel and it has mass to it. 
and it actually can crush you. You could like be crushed alive by oh, sound wow. that is at a certain decibel level, low decibels. Uh, and they actually use it now in in uh, warfare. They use it um, against pirate ships. I know pirates like still exist somewhere <laughs> in the world. They use it against pirate ships. They use it in battle. Um, if you release a low level tactile sound, it gives people such heightened anxiety um, and like raises your intracranial pressure and does all this really weird shit to your body. And so um, I got fascinated with it. So then when these Canadian guys that I had made another, I had produced a movie for, um, they were like, hey, we want to make another movie with you. And, um, you know, what, what, do you have any scripts? And I was like, no, I don't really, you know, haven't, don't really write on spec at this stage unless I'm, you know, writing TV. And they said, well, you know, pitch us some ideas. And if we like one, we'll pay you to write it and we'll make the movie. So, um so, and they said, but the the only caveat is it has to be set in Toronto. So I was like, okay. So um, I found, I, you know, was researching and whatever. And I found this information about the lower base station, you know, being built in 1966 and this woman either jumping or being pushed onto the tracks and dying and the station being closed ever since. And I was like, oh, that's spooky. And then they said, you know, that the subway is rumored to be haunted and they call her the lady in red. And so then I started researching the actual tunnels and the fact that the, the trains being above this empty station actually creates a vessel for tactile sound. And so I was like, bingo, ding, 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 we have a winner. And um, so I pitched it to them literally in this like a half a page random pitch with a, a picture of the spooky subway station and within a couple of days they were like yes we're making the movie write it and you know we'll shoot it and and that was the end or the beginning you know wow um, yeah so there you have it <laughs> that's imp- nice. that's imp- i'm sorry that's impressive as hell yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I am impressed. That is impressive as hell. My my whole filmmaking career has been these random, like, like, hey, you want some money to make a movie? And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, I don't really have a script, though. You know, like, it's just bizarre. I've actually never written a script on spec, um, except for my very first one, Fish Without a Bicycle, and it wasn't written to be made. It was written as a cathartic, you know, purging experience from this horrible, horrible breakup and my life just being shit that time. And I was like 25, I think. And, um, and, you know, drinking red wine naked on my, (laughs) on my desktop computer (laughs) and writing the script jobless, like, you know, boyfriendless, um, and uh, feeling really bad about myself. And I wrote this script and um, I ended up, I was acting at the time and my um, acting agent had a literary department and I gave it to this lit agent there and I'm like, does this suck? And he read it and he called me and he was like, it definitely doesn't suck. So you should really think about doing this. And um, 
and uh, you know, just random sequence of events um, where this person who had seen me in something wanted to, you know, make a film with me and wanted to do this gigantic budget film called The Wind Leaves No Shadows based on a novel about Donna Tule Farcello, this woman who owned a dance hall in um, like the 1800s in New Mexico. She was like this badass woman and um, involved in sort of crime and, um, you know, seedy underbelly. And I was like, okay, you really don't want to spend like $50 million on your first film with a no name as the star. <laughs> like I can't, I can't in all, you know, I can't let you do that uh, in good conscience. So I was like, well, I have this little script, you know, if you want to get your feet wet making movies, we could try this. And he was literally like done. I had a corporation set up within a couple of weeks the money in my corporation and I was shooting the movie within two months and total trial by fire total. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I produced by myself. I, you know, it was, it was this amazing and terrifying experience. And, um, and that was my, my first foray into filmmaking (laughs) Oh, wow. And it's been it's been bizarre ever since. <laughs> so like these random bizarre, you know, occurrences and and it's almost like every time I sort of try to get out, it pulls me back in. <laughs> and so you know what I mean? It's like a bad boyfriend, like an alcoholic boyfriend. <laughs> because, you know, like you can only get beat up so much, right? And I mean that like, you know, metaphorically beat up because you know, people don't realize you guys are obviously creative people and when you put yourself out there and you create something from your heart and you get totally reamed by reviewers or something there's there's just a a piece of you that sort of dies a little bit and I think I I just got really fed up with that um because I don't I don't really have a thick skin I think it's getting thicker but um, I'm, I'm a sensitive person. Like I, I take in, I, I feel very strongly. So I would get really brutalized if people didn't like my work. And, um, and I think that sort of made me shy away from, from filmmaking. And then I'd shy away and then I'd get sucked back in and then I'd, show, I'd get beat up some more and then I'd shy away and I'd get sucked back in. And I wrote some novels during that time. And, um, and, but now I feel like, you know what? Fuck it. Exactly. Yeah. If they don't get it, like I know, and I feel in my heart at this stage of the game, I'm not a hack. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I can, I can say that and feel confident in it. So I feel like I'm, I'm here now and I'm, I'm staying, you know, right on. (laughs) Fantastic. And, well, you know, when all else fails, you just drink more red wine naked because that's what I do <laughs> on a regular basis. <laughs> uh, the sad thing is I can't drink red wine anymore after my injury because I get oh. oh, no. So I haven't had a glass of red wine in 11 years. Going oh, 11 years. serious? Oh, uh, yeah. oh. Can you do I, you beer? I used to drink. My <laughs> drink of choice was red wine and Coke 50-50 over ice. I kid you not. Oh, that's and if you good. haven't had it, 
it's amazing. It's that like a, really it's good. like a white trash sangria, <laughs> <laughs> but you get like the you get like the the caffeine buzz and the mellow of the red wine, and it's so brilliant. And I can't drink it anymore. Oh, well, Maria. but I can do shots of limoncello, which is you know oh, there you go. That yeah. works. Yeah. <laughs> sounds good right now i need to go get drunk <laughs> well jenna i want to say thank you so much i mean I lo- we love the movie we thought it was brilliant and Absolutely. i mean for, you. You, you did an amazing job rose did an amazing everybody did um and i hope that you i hope it, we get another one i i really yeah. think i think it we need more women like kelly yes I, yeah we, we we just do well, and, the two pilots that I have right now in development, I have one um, through this company called Imprint uh, Entertainment and uh, a co-financier called The Solution and Weathervane. Um, they, uh, I have this project with them that's a television show that has a totally strong ass-kicking female that's American Indian. That's ooh, the, ooh. One, you know, the, the, the co-lead of the show. And then I have another show that's with Dean Devlin's company who, you know, wrote and produced um, Independence Day and The Patriot and all those big sort of blockbuster movies. And um, that also, the lead female of the show is this very complicated, strong, um, you know, female protagonist. So I don't think that's ever going to go away in my writing. I think there's always going to be you know, that strong woman that's in the role that you would typically think of for a man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's um, great. I just hope people keep giving me money to make more of them. <laughs> Please give, keep giving her money. Yeah, keep, keep giving. <laughs> well, well, this has been think, really fun. This has been great. And yeah. uh, your next project, Please come back. We love you. You're 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 awesome. Hey, you're yeah, yes. I love you guys. And <laughs> I love talking to smart people who like think, you know, deeper than than um the surface. And that's really like a joy to have people watch the film that, that understand it and you know, understand it on that deeper level. So thank you for watching it and getting it. And thank you for pleasure. the the seed of Sam Elliott and the legacy and his perfect bum and my head. You made, that's immediately when you said Sam Elliott. I'm like, oh, the legacy. <gasps> you, you, you know that you know that I've written Sam Elliott into both of those pilots. By the way, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like we literally that. says it literally says in the character description, "Think Sam Elliott in parentheses." <laughs> I will, and he's already read them and already knows. So. <laughs> that is he lives yeah. very close to where I do right now. Like he has oh, a farm. He, wait, is that in in uh, yeah in Washington or something? Right. It's in Oregon. No, he and he apparently Oregon. goes to the Starbucks here. Um, oh, like oh my god, that ten oh. minutes. Away. So not only is he Sam Elliott, but he's Sam Elliott who smells of coffee. Oh. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, you're torturing me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm well, really I'm, I'm right just now. I'm just bummed that I I don't have time to get into my Christopher Lloyd fetish. And by the way, who is literally one of the kindest, most amazing human beings? He was on a show with my husband for three years, and oh. that's sort of how I thought of Chris for the role. And he literally 
packed his own screwdriver in his suitcase oh. and showed up with that screwdriver that he oh, wanted. Really? I mean, after uh, having that length and that amazing of a career, he's still that dedicated. Wow. He thinks things through. I know. It's awesome. I, I, know, I just... Uh, I worked... sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, I I'm... just watched the, the special edition of Buckaroo Bonsai, and they were talking about how he took that role that's this he just he improvised so much of of the parts in that and 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 they just yeah. caught it on camera they're like we just let him go yeah no he's he's really extraordinary and and he's just one of those people that you know i think he he, he really is just a good human being you know mm-hmm. and and you don't get that all the time with the old no. actors i've worked I, with- I've, a couple of nightmares as a producer that are very famous actors as a writer producer. And Oh my God, it was like, I worked with one of the guys for five days and it felt like five years. I was like, I've aged five years (laughs) during this. So, you know, not everybody stays sane. Not everybody stays human when they get that level of fame. You know what I mean? But he did. And he's always, every time I see him in something, he's just like the type that I just wish I could like jump through the screen and give him a hug. Oh, yeah. And you know what? He's also very shy. Oh, Oh, very shy, like painfully shy. Um, Very (gasps) soft spoken. He just kind of keeps to himself. Um, You know, he's, he's not the game show hosty actor type. Do you know what I mean? Like that wants yeah. the attention and stuff. But he, he goes from this shy sort of reserved person into this persona. You know what I mean? And it's so cool to watch. But anyway, we, we could go on and on and on, but I'm sure you're <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoy I enjoy I enjoy uh hearing about this kind of thing, especially when it comes to actors I absolutely have loved forever and hearing that they're good people. It makes me happy. Yeah. Oh, no, it's so important. And, you know, like, like, perfect example, you know, I talked about casting my husband and, and like, talk about a gem to work with. And, um, and, you know, it just was one of those things that when you have actors like that on the set, like a Michael Eklund, like, you know, a Richard, like a Chris Lloyd, it's, it's literally like, like you, it's a comfort rather than feeling, you know, as a filmmaker, you're a little bit under attack every day because Mm -hmm. everyone's questioning what you're doing. Everyone's, you know, questioning the logic of what you're doing. Everyone's going, are you sure about this? Are you sure about that? At one point, and I know I'm just being a bitch at this stage, but (laughs) at one point, the DP, who is like this total misogynist, was like, yeah, well, we'll see if this movie will even cut together in front of my whole crew. In front of my old crew, oh, I was like, no. a way to cut me off at the knees, pal. Uh-huh. And, um, and um, it was, you know, having someone like Michael or my husband, you know, just there, even though, of course, I can, you know, stand up for myself all day long <laughs> and be terrifying. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but having someone like that there to be like, look, you know don't even, you know, don't worry about it. And this is your vision and whatever. So, you know, it's just it, the, the benefit 
um, and the comfort of having, you know, really seasoned actors who are also great human beings mm-hmm. is invaluable. And, you know, there's actors that I've heard about and, you know, worked with or whatever that are nightmares. And, and there's a reason why there's some people that just stop working and they're super talented and you're like, where did they go? You know, they, what happened to them? And I'd say 99% of the time, it's because they're a nightmare. And, you know, when you're working sometimes, you know, 14, 15 hour days to spend it with someone who's a nightmare is like, you know, somebody's going to die. You know, what I mean? like there's going to be, there's going to be a heart attack or, a, or something because it's, it's so, um, it's, it's already such a physically taxing um, thing. And then to also have it be a constant emotional battle is, um, it's just not worth it. Right. So uh, now what I usually do is if I'm casting someone, even as a producer, I'll call my friends who have worked with them or casting director friends that I know and go, what have you heard about this person? Mm-hmm. And I did that with every single person I cast that was, you know, leads. Um, people in the the film, um, except, you know, I already knew Chris was a gem, but I didn't know Michael and I didn't know Rose. So, um, yeah. That's great. I, 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 you, I could listen to this all night. I know. I, I, yeah. But she's her voice. I can tell your voice is giving out on you. And Jenna, like I said, I, I thank you for coming on. This has been fantastic and please come back. We'd love to have you. Just to hang oh, out. Yeah, I would love to. <laughs> you just yeah, hang out. Let's be friends. <laughs> Let's be friends. <laughs> Yay! So you guys, you guys live in Washington, is that right? Or I'm sorry, Oregon. Um, I you actually live in, Oregon. live in Oregon. Barb, you're in Florida, aren't you? Yes, I am on the Hellmouth. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Well, I thought you guys were like together in the same, you know, realm. Um, and Florida is definitely not in the same realm. <laughs> Florida is all on no, a, in its own realm. Um, I'm trying I'm to get out of it. Um, um, but uh, yeah, no. If if you guys are ever in LA, let me know. Oh, definitely. Um, oh. Yeah, and we'll That's... we'll meet up. It's always good to meet you know smart, strong women that that got it. That would and, be and you know what? We didn't, we managed to get through an entire conversation without talking about lipstick or <laughs> nail polish <laughs> or how we do our hair. It's <laughs> true. We did talk about boys we have crushes on, but they're oh, actually really It's men, Sam Elliott. So I mean, I come okay. on. You gotta. And you know what? Everybody has a crush on. Like, literally every man I know has a crush on Sam Elliott. Yep. So I think that's, a, I think we get a pass there. Yeah, I think yeah. he's I think universally so. <laughs> he's universally lusted for. I don't, it's it's just how it is. Okay, so seriously, the other day, I'm <laughs> laying in bed with my husband. I have to. We have to end on this parting note because it's so <laughs> so good. It's so Sam Elliott lust worthy. Um, so I I had never seen Roadhouse, but I had seen oh. a picture of him with the T-shirt that said Mustache Rides. And I was like, how, how hot and vulgar is that? And um, so, so I'm sitting in bed and I'm literally like scrubbing through that terrible 80s movie. And I'm like, oh, this is so cheesy. Oh, this is so cheesy. Oh, my God, Sam. Oh, my God, Sam. Like the whole time I'm sitting in bed going, oh, Sam, look at Sam. And my husband's finally like, Jesus, Jen, like, come on. But 
it's like seriously it is so worth going back to netflix and finding or wherever it was hulu or amazon and finding it and just like like scrubbing through to only the sam elliott <laughs> because he is just he's like raw lust man you know what oh, I mean? like yeah it's it's just like <laughs> preposterous, and and he's like in his seventies. He's like my grandfather. Yeah, and I'm man. <laughs> it's the voice. It's the voice. It's totally the voice. It's the voice, and like it's the voice, but it's also that sly smile and that. I mean, I'm telling you, Roadhouse worth a, worth a second look because it's <laughs> like it's a it's a whole nother level of sexy, you know. <laughs> My God, I yeah. love it! I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh anyway, my God, this has been really, really fun, you guys. What a what a great what a great interview. Thank um, you so much. Yeah. Well, Jenna, thank you again, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We have found a fellow fan girl, which yes. is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, please uh, join us next week. We'll be back, and hopefully, we'll. And seen on, and at some point we're gonna have Jenna back because she's she's one of us yeah. now. She's yeah. been back. Yes, and please, please um, go get the sound. It's yes, the totally. sound. It's through MGM's Orion slash Samuel Goldwyn. Um, it's available on iTunes and all the download places. It's on uh, every cable uh, place, but um, Dish has it downloadable, and it's in select AMC theaters. How's that for a plug at the end? There, <laughs> there you go. go. That works. <laughs> right. Please Thanks, check it out. Ladies. It's a super great movie. And thank you again, Jenna. This has been so much fun. And we will see you next week on Fangirl Radio. Good night.